same, you know, light fixture, probably from Home Depot, right. you know, in the ceiling for 12 years. So right. it's taken me 12 years to get to the point where I'm like, this is fucking unacceptable. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. Um, where it's been acceptable for, you know, for so long. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to This Should Work podcast session number 11, a conversation with Nate Matson of DePaul University's School of Design and Obstructures. Uh, today, Nate and I talk a lot about his work um, making all sorts of cool things in the industrial design space, guitars, um, measurement units, wallets, things like that. Uh, and we talk about his philosophy behind teaching um, and how that all translates uh, through and into, um, you know, I think our shared vision of, of making and, and tinkering and, and getting things done. I really um, appreciated having Nate on this show and talking with him about his design philosophy. I, I hope you enjoy it as, as much as I do. And... Uh, and so I guess without further ado, here's session 11 with Nate Matz. Notes and this is this should work <laughs> podcast session number 11 with Nate Matson of Obstructures and DePaul University and somebody who I work with a lot. <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting conversation it's gonna um, be giggly it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty giggly yeah. i'll probably talk less though usually i, I talk too much so um, i'll uh, throw in some awkward silences Ooh, perfect <laughs> oh um thanks for thanks for doing this by the way i appreciate it and sure. uh um hopefully uh hopefully we get uh, we have some fun all right yes. so yes so um one of the first questions I, I lead off with on, on all of these uh, is, uh, you, you know, you, you do a lot of, of different things um, and a lot of things for other people because you teach here at DePaul. And we're going to talk about DePaul and we'll be talking a little bit about, you know, obstructures and, um, you know, the, the, the instruments you make and everything else. Uh, but before we jump into um, anything related to education necessarily, or at least at DePaul, and before we jump into... Um, you know, musical instruments. What are you working on right now that has that's just for you? That has nothing to do with something for for other people. Uh, I'm uh, I'm building a light for my office. Okay. Uh, that's not all that exciting. Well, why isn't it exciting? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's just a it's just a light. You know, made out mm -hmm. of off-the-shelf parts. Why aren't you buying a light instead of? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Could uh, you buy one that would meet your your specifications? I or? probably could, but it would probably cost more money than I would want to spend on it. You know. Okay. And so, this is sort of like minimizing financial cost while maximizing okay. enjoyment. Why would it cost more? Is it a different kind of? thing or is it a no I just find that things usually cost more than okay to buy them off the shelf for what you can it's spend making them. okay it's not like it's a computerized something something that would have cost a lot more no. because you know the manufacturing process would have been more well no okay now that I think of it there is yeah. there is one thing that's different 
So it's it's just an LED light and an uh, aluminum extrusion. Okay. You know, so like it's it's nothing special. Like that's just how you make a LED light. Like yeah. people make them all the time. I've made them before. You know, um, but I'm using an H extrusion, so okay. I can have one up light and one down light, in the same light. Okay. So. One up light and one down light. Oh, so you want you want your ceiling? Yeah, one lit? will one will light the ceiling to reflect <coughs> the light down. Ah. You know, and then one will be like a task light, mm -hmm. which will point down and light the desk. Are these independently? Yeah, two okay. switches. You know, they'll be independent of one another. So one's kind of like for for mood. More yeah, or one's or? just to put some light in the room. <laughs> you know, if I'm at the computer yeah. working, I don't need a bunch of overhead light. Like the, the, the you know, I've got a huge monitor, so it's plenty of plenty of light uh, in front of me. But then I go back and forth all the time between like on the computer and then drawing, you know, on the computer uh. and then drawing. So to have a, you know, a task light for when I'm actually drawing or writing or um, uh, sometimes, you know, math is easier to, to kind of think about with a pencil, sure. you know, uh, rather than in, the, you know, in, in Python or on the computer or something. So, yeah. um, and then yeah, I'm either like squinting all the time in the dark, you know, when I'm writing, or I've got the glare of an overhead light on my computer monitor, Yeah, you know, and uh, it's just imperfect. It's not a big deal, you know. Generally, I'm a satisficer, I think. Is that what they call them? I don't know. What is like that Like, I mean? just like, it's fine. It's what, fine? Whatever life gives me is fine. I don't need to maximize, you know, my output or mm. maximize my enjoyment of things. Mm. I just find a way to, uh, you know to see through the problems and be like, okay, this is fine. Yeah. Here's the silver lining. You know, Except with this. particular things. Mm, yeah, probably like what? Uh, so so I, I can recall over the summer you were working on a, an amplifier. Mm, that's and, true. And you really, you really went deep on, on this amplifier. Sounds and so good, it seems too. like there are certain things that you value that you want to have a high degree of control over or you want to understand how they work or maybe a combination of those things. Um, and and the light has something to do with that. You want to you, you're controlling your environment maybe, and uh, you know the those these projects don't seem separate entirely to me. They seem no. intertwined. No, those projects you're probably right. But the backstory to those projects is I've lived in the house that I live in uh, with my wife. It's her house really. Yeah. I just pay the mortgage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've been there for maybe 12 years and, uh, and I've, you know, I've had purple paint on the walls of the room that I use as an office for 12 years, have never repainted it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I wouldn't say that I fucking hate purple, but it's not my favorite color. Right. You know, I would prefer just white walls, gray walls, you mm -hmm. know, whatever. Um, but I have never done it. Okay. You know, because it's just, I'm fine with purple. Like, purple's okay. a color, you know? Uh, is it my favorite? No, I don't know, but why would I have a favorite color anyway? So I just okay. leave it. Um, so you're seeing past it? Just You just see past okay. it, you know? But and I've used the same, you know, light fixture, probably from Home Depot, right. you know, in the ceiling for 12 years. So right. it's taken me 12 years to get to the point where I'm like, this is fucking unacceptable. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. Um, where it's been acceptable for, you know, for so long. Sure. Yeah. So what is the, the link between those two things is, is now what I'm, I'm interested in because um, I'm, I'm very interested in, uh, you know, the environment that, that you create, not that you live in necessarily, but that you create in is, is what is, or, or that you experience things in. Um, and I don't know if that, what, what is it about these two things that, 
that is inter interrelated that makes them interrelated. Uh, what is it about which two? The things? the your amplifier and oh. and the light. You you know you, you you go really deep on on if if if, the, if somebody was looking yeah. from the outside, they would say that's really arbitrary that he's working on a light or that why is he doing an amplifier? You could just get one, but you have very well thought out reasons for why you're doing that when you dig a little bit deeper, and those well thought out reasons have to come from some kind of problem. They have to come internally from somewhere where you're going, I. I don't like this because, and it bugs me because, unlike all of these other things, I need this to be, I need this to, this need yeah. to be met. So the amplifier, uh, I mean, I, you know, for whatever reason, you know, music's always kind of been a big part of my life. Okay. In a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, you know, I played music, you know, when I was a kid. I, you know, okay. I played trombone for a long time, and then I guitar and I was in you know rock bands and I always listened to music and uh, so it's always been there um, and you know I never I've never really prioritized making a bunch of money so when it came to stereos I would always buy used stuff and uh, used but good you know like sure. not garbage but you just wait for it to find a deal on something and uh, but it would always break eventually because it's used and old and so it's just this constant carousel of stereo equipment you know moving in and out uh, of life and uh, so then I decided you know I'm, I'm sick of that and then there's this people are always building kit amps you know designing sure. you know kit amps to build so uh, I bought these boards from a guy uh, on a I forget what site, I think DIYaudio.com probably. Oh, sure. You know, and this is like, I mean, I don't even, 15 years ago, like sure. crazy, crazy, crazy long time ago. And uh, I got four of them. And I uh, didn't build them, you know, because like the components, you know, some of them I got like the power transistors I got samples of and you mm -hmm. know, whatever, but I just couldn't afford the rest of it okay. and the enclosure and all this. And so I just, they sat for a long time. Fast forward like 10 years, I finally, I built other amps from kits, you know, um, uh, but fast forward 10 years and I've got some money in the bank, you know, yeah. and I have these things and I'm like, I'm going to fucking build those yeah. finally because they're like supposed to sound so good and, you know, and they did. So yeah. part of it was like I, I had some time, you know, uh, I still wanted to hear him. The, the, the dude who designed him is a German fellow named Michael Bittner. Mm. Uh, he actually passed away. And so maybe it was like an homage. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like way yeah. too late, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, I always that's all, you know, a day late and a dollar short. You know, can't even tell the guy, hey, these amps sound fucking amazing. Yeah, um, you know, but they do. So, how many kits do you have lying around unbuilt? Um, right now, oh god, I don't even know. A lot. Uh, electronics kits. Yeah. You know, I think I actually have very few electronics kits sure. sitting around unbuilt right now. Sure. Um, I have. I have parts to make a headphone amp uh, that I, I probably will never build. Mm -hmm. I have parts to make a guitar pedal uh, mm -hmm. that I probably won't build uh, ever. Uh, like those parts are just yeah. going to go back into the you know into the storeroom and, and. So why'd you choose to work on the amplifier over any of these other projects that are that are waiting for you? And why are you choosing to work on this light now w over all of these other things that that are on? You know, are are lying around mm. waiting. What's the wh what happens? What's the, what's the switch that flips and you go? Nope, needs to. <laughs> I need to do the thing now. You know, I'm not sure that I know what switch flips. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, I don't really know. But I needed to listen to some record albums. Okay. Yeah, that's what, like, the amp thing was just straight up, I needed to listen to record albums. Okay. You know, and uh, I had a bunch of records that I just hadn't listened to in a long time Mm -hmm. because, you know, what I had, what I had set up before, it just, it wasn't, so people are going to listen to this and this is just going to be me proving how fucking stupid I am. (laughs) But uh, for the longest time, I thought that my stereo just wasn't, you know, my speakers weren't big enough to push enough air in the room that I had them in. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, these chip amps that I had built, they just weren't, the bass response wasn't enough, blah, blah, okay. blah. So I had thrown this graphic equalizer into the mix, you know, to boost the thing. And I had a friend of mine come over, audio engineer, he gave me this thing, and he's like, you know, yeah, you just need a little EQ and it'll sound great. And it did for a long time. Then my brother comes over a couple of years ago for Thanksgiving, and he's playing something, and the stereo just goes to shit. And I'm not blaming okay. my brother, sure. right? Like, it's the graphic equalizer. I mean, that's just a fucking nightmare to put in your hi-fi. Okay. Like, just, just it just destroys your hi-fi. Why would you ever put a fucking EQ okay. in your hi-fi? It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I pulled it out and I cleaned it and then I started cleaning other stuff and then it, that just, it was just like this, you know, this little sand that irritated the oyster mm. and then I'm not going to say I made a pearl, you know, no. but like I made this like horrible thing because of that. But it was really, you know, it was really this racket coming out of the equalizer that I realized, like, that's fucking unacceptable now. Okay. Suddenly, I'm not sure why I could listen to all that hiss and racket and garbage coming out of it, you yeah. know, before. But uh, it just got to the point where right. I shouldn't be doing that. I don't like that. I want everything to sound. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and then once you get the momentum going on something, it just kind of feeds on itself right uh, how, how often would you say once you get the momentum going you know you end up not getting to some point an embarrassing an embarrassing an amount, embarrassing of, amount of times i mean yeah you know because those it, are the ones you don't tell people about yeah <laughs> because these amps started like i was i was starting to yeah. fix existing amps yeah you know they're nice amps too I see. you know mm. but then i got to this point where i'm like man to get these actually fixed it's just going to be so much work and effort you know and uh and then I've got these other boards, and I could make them, and it, it's just, it's more, I felt like it would be more satisfying to make the amps, you know? Okay. Um, I felt like it would be a little bit satisfying to build the enclosures. Okay. You know? Um, Did you know how to do any of that before? Or like, Were there unknown, th- unknown things in there where you felt like, oh, you know, I could probably do this, and I know enough about X, Y, and Z, but I don't know enough about... ABC and maybe I'll learn a little bit of something about along the way. Uh, I don't know that it was a matter of like not knowing something, but it was certainly there's certainly a lot of like not being very good at certain things. Um, okay. Like yeah. I don't, you know, I don't tap holes in metal by hand very often. Okay. You know, and so I became the great destroyer of taps. Yeah. You know, um, there's still <laughs> like I think three tap tap ins poking out of my amps like little bristles. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, so they're not even done, really, right. quite honestly. Like, they're yeah. still, they, you know, they're half, the enclosure is like half done. Um, there's that. There was a, I mean, part of, the, part of the project was like designing the power supply. Like, the amp was designed by somebody else, but, you know, uh, I wanted a nice power supply for it. Why? Uh, well, because I, because they're mono, well, the whole thing, it's just so over-engineered. The, the amps themselves are mono blocks, so it's like one amp per channel, okay. separate enclosures, Sure. right? I, I don't know why, that's just okay. what I like. But these also have power supplies and separate enclosures. Yeah. 
you know, so there's like an umbilical that sends the power from the power supply into the amp. Yeah. And that keeps the hum from your AC line and the hum of the transformer uh, out okay. of the amp. So, um, so is this an exercise and if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just me getting old, but it's like, I'm going to die, you know. Sure. God knows when, probably soon. <laughs> but like, <laughs> these are the amps that, you know, these, I, I need to stop spending my time at used stereo stores. These are the amps that I'm going to be buried with. Right. I mean, I won't be buried with heirloom, Who knows, maybe. Heirloom amps. Well, I mean, I don't have kids. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, my nieces yeah. and nephews wanting these, like, yeah. heavy, fucking horribly bristly, you know, yeah. overly detailed, you know, amps. So is that the same thing with the light? in any way you you're you you want something yeah. that's that's just so that fits your needs and your environment this this is almost like therapy i feel like, <laughs> I'm like you know reaching insights about myself sorry this is this is all my this is my midlife crisis yeah you know this is you know really god that's really what it is isn't it fuck huh so yeah, maybe that maybe that's the light. The light's like I'm sick of dealing with all this garbage lighting. You right. know, I'm gonna sit at this desk and work on this monitor yeah. for the rest of my life, as short as it may be. It's time to like actually be able to switch back and forth between the monitor and my notepad. You know, right. seamlessly, not seamlessly, but you know, whatever. Right. In a more. Uh, I think it's uh, you're looking for an. And I'm not sure if I'm using this correct, but it sounds like an elegant solution or like a, like a something that's not, I know you're saying your amp's over-engineered, but in a way it fits your needs and it doesn't have 20 other things that it does. And your light fits your needs and it doesn't yeah. do like 20 other light things, whatever that might, might be. Light things. Yeah, well, other light things, you know. Right. But, but, you know, they fit your needs specifically and there's not like, uh, 10 other knobs that you don't know what they do on there and you don't care about them. Is that is that fair or is that a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not so sure about that. That's fine. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't like yeah. to think about things. You know this about me. I hate yeah. to think about design as like a solution to anything. Sure. So, you know, it's not like solving a need, you know. It's never perfect. Sure. It's just like, it's a state along the way. Sure. And yeah, you'll put you your know. light in your room, and you're gonna have other problems. Uh, for sure, that the light creates yeah. for you, but yeah. it solves the other ones that you had right. um, before you created some of these new ones. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe I, you know, I don't know. So is this? So um, is maybe this is, in, t in my mind, it is an interesting jumping off point to some of the the work that you do at Obstructures. Um, because again, in, in my mind, when, when you show me some of the things that you're making, you're making elegant things that address very specific needs for, uh, you're not saying I'm going to build something for that, that 90% of people can use. You're saying, or maybe right. sometimes you are, but, but it seems like, you know, I'm building this thing that solves this particular problem that I know people, some people have, or addresses this problem that some, some people have. And you know that because maybe you've run into that problem, or you know that because you've seen somebody else have that problem. What is first of all, actually, what is what is obstructures? So, obstructures. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, these days obstructures is you know it's just a design collaborative sure. with me and you know my friend Matt, who uh, is an architecture professor at Auburn University in Alabama, and uh, our friend Brian who's an industrial designer in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, Matt and I were in a punk rock band together, you know, in like the 90s. And he, you know, we were in college together, you know, briefly, because I'm older than him sure. a little bit. And over the years, you know, we would design stuff together or talk about stuff, you mm -hmm. know, that we were working on together. And so, you know, Obstructures was a way to kind of formalize that. Um, sure. And it started, you know, it started with other people, you know, as well, other friends of ours that we had worked with and designed stuff with. And, um, and then, you know, it dwindled down to kind of me and him. Uh, for a while, it was just me here in Chicago doing graphic design work, you know. Right. Um, and then Brian came on board because, of, you know, the first project that, that made us a bunch of money, you know, he was a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. Bigger part of that than I was, probably. Um, was that it? Is that what was that it? was uh, these these wallets you know that, wallets. that we had made. Okay. Yeah. So um, you're shifting from graphic design work to like well, tangible I mean, stuff, right? Yeah, kind of. But I I don't really see a whole lot of difference. Um, yeah. And and this you know this is like the the horrible confusion about my design practice. I think when other people look at it, I just don't see yeah. much of a difference between making something out of a piece of aluminum or making something out of a bunch of ink on a piece of paper or you know. Um, it's two dimensions, it's three dimensions, it's four dimensions. Kay. I mean, it's just a it's just a matter of the order of dimensions that you're working in. Um, and were you working on a computer for the graphic design work that you were doing? Or? Some of it, but I mean, I also, you know, I spent a week uh, many years ago in Canada learning how to cast metal type with a guy named Jim Rimmer. Okay, um, all you right. Know, so, you know, when you, when you take graphic design way back to that era, right. and I owned a letterpress, you know, with my friend Chris, who's a designer yeah. for a while, then, you know, graphic design is very much a physical thing. Yeah. It can be, you know, it right. can be as, you know, three-dimensional and physical as industrial design. Okay. Um, is. So, um, you know, they're, they're not the same thing, maybe, but, but they're, you know, the, the similarities they share, you know, vastly oh. outnumber the differences. That's, that's important you know. to call out, I think, you know, that the graphic design work that you're doing was perhaps more physical in nature than what most people, when you hear graphic design, might right. uh, associate yeah. with. I mean, most, you know, most, almost everything I've ever done, you know, the computer comes in yeah. at some point, but the computer is like a, it's a production tool, you know, more than, like, by the time you're working on the computer, everything's been designed. Okay. The computer's just like, okay, my printer expects me to send him digital files, so okay. I'm going to make those digital files, you know, on right. the computer. Um, but the computer's like a, you know, it's a necessary evil. I mean, I guess you could, well, no, you can't say that. Never mind. <laughs> You can say anything you want, but that's... <laughs> oh, can I? Is this, is this that kind no, of show? No, that's actually oh. probably not. Okay. Um, so, so Obstructures, you, you make a wallet. You, you know, before that you were doing graphic design stuff. And, and before that, there was a guitar. I mean, you know, ah. a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stuff, I think a lot of what people know us for is are these musical instruments. That, mm -hmm. and, and the musical instruments weren't originally Obstructures. You know, originally they were uh, a group called ABC, which wasn't me, uh, the first guitar was my friend Matt, who's Obstructures, and our friend Joe, mm. uh, who, if Joe, if you're out there somewhere, give me a call. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Joe yeah. sort of disappeared several years ago, okay. um, and we don't really know where he is. So Joe and I went to college together. We all went to college together, but Joe and I were in painting together yeah. in the painting program at University of Tennessee. Okay. And uh, Joe's one of my favorite people in the world, and yeah. he was a metal worker um, back then. And so... Uh, Matt and I are in this rock and roll band, and uh, it's the 90s, and so for some reason I developed this fascination with a metal-necked guitar. Yeah. 
because they were the rage back then. Sure. Several you know bands played them. So what what year is this again? Uh, this is like 1995. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Total debauchery. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So, but I'm like a broke college student, you know. Yeah. Um, And I can't, these guitars, you know, what I wanted was called a Travis Bean. Yeah. And, like, they're almost a thousand bucks back then. There's no way I can afford one. And you wanted it because they were popular or because? No, because it had this neck made out of aluminum. You know, and I thought that's so fucking crazy. I, you know, I just want one. And then why is it crazy to have a neck made out of aluminum? I'd never heard of one before. Like this is like okay. brand new. Like okay. you know, I'd never even thought of such a thing. Okay. Guitar necks are made of wood, of course. You know, like okay. you know, what else would they be made yeah. of? Um, and so, uh, you know, my favorite band back, uh, you know, in, in, in that era was this band from Chicago called Shellac. You know, and he played a metal neck guitar. This guy, Steve Albini. So I wanted to be like Steve, right? And like that's yeah. every rock and roll kid's dream in 1995 was to be like Steve. I just wanted to be like Steve. Um, so I couldn't afford one, but I, I wound up buying a, a metal neck guitar made by a company called Kramer. Okay. Much cheaper, like 350. Still couldn't afford it, but I bought it anyway. Yeah. That's what credit cards are for, right? Sure. And uh, sure. So, uh, so that was awesome. But then I just, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't not have the Travis Bean. So I sold the Kramer, bought the Travis Bean. Yeah. You know, and uh, why? Why couldn't you not have it? What's the? What's the? There was like, who cares if it's an aluminum neck versus a wood neck? Why do you? What? You know, it's not. It's. Is it really because you're trying to emulate one person? No, not not really. I mean, yeah. part of it's just like it's different. You know. That was it. It was. No, it, it not. Boiled down I mean, a, it, it's different, and I. Yeah, I okay. mean, I, that's not all of it, but. You know, but it it is a huge part of it. It's like what's interesting about it being different. Um, I think all my life I've like walked this weird uh, path of like I want to be exactly like everyone else. Okay. Because I don't want anyone to look at me or notice me. Sure. You know, yeah. like I just want to blend into everything around me. Yeah. But that's like an impossibility. Like I, you know. Yeah. Uh, th- that'll just never happen. Okay. You know, I'll never actually live my life like that. Yeah. So, you know, when I was 16, I got a mohawk, you know. Yeah. And I just didn't get a mohawk. I, like, grew it out and put Liberty Spikes in it. Yeah. And dr- dreaded up because really I didn't wash my hair for that. two years. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're like, uh, so it's, it's, you know, that weird sort of horrible, um, I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but sure. Okay. So, Anywho, so, so it is. It's about it's about being different. I was also a bad guitar player. I wasn't a good guitar player. Yeah. So I wasn't going to go take lessons and like learn how to play Stairway. Okay. You know, like that's not how I was going to approach guitar. Uh, I was already a, a trombone player, and I was a pretty good trombone player, I have to say. <coughs> um, so because I wasn't gonna, <laughs> because I wasn't so actually I was, gonna, I just like to pause for a moment and say that I've I've not heard. <laughs> that phrase, if ever, or at least a long time, I'm a pretty good trombone player. Well, I'm not anymore. I just, <laughs> just, just to note that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just gonna check that box <laughs> right there. Yeah. In case you were wondering. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Guitars are very weird to me, uh, and they weren't weird to me back then, but they're weird to me now because there's so much about the look, you know. Okay. And uh, you would think that they wouldn't be. You would, you would. Well, maybe you wouldn't think this, but I would think logically that they would be about how do they sound. You mm. know, shouldn't it all just be about how they sound? They're a musical knows. instrument. There's a Les Paul uh, out there, you know. And yeah. yeah, but so much. I mean, there's a reason why you know the BC Rich Warlock exists. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 
and uh, and so the you know the Travis Bean, it looked you know it looked a little different, yeah. um, but it, and it had this neck and it was something about the object itself. It wasn't about it's also about how it sounds. Like it does sound very different, um, but you know it it looked different and and it's you know me I've always been like kind of antisocial and I'm never going to listen to this podcast because I hate the sound of my voice yeah because I had a speech impediment as a kid and so I don't like to speak in public sure any of that you know it's just like but you teach me alive but I teach right like so there's again like (laughs) I want to be just like everybody else but I'm going to get a fucking mohawk right um yeah so uh yeah, I hate to speak in front of people, but I'm going to be a teacher. <laughs> right, right, Jesus right. Christ! So, uh, so yeah, the Travis Bean was it was it was something to hide behind, I guess. I don't know. While I was on stage, okay, got it. So I show up to to band practice, the, and this is how Matt tells the story. Kind of, I show up to band practice, and he saw the Travis Bean, and he had to have one <laughs> too. Okay. You know, so he wound up getting a job at McDonald's again to save money. Okay. You know, he's yeah. like in college working at McDonald's right. to save money for this guitar. Yeah. So we, you know, we wind up with Travis Beans, you know, and uh, and then I went, I moved here for graduate school in 1997, and uh, and uh, that was the end of the band. Yeah. Teary, teary. Once you moved to Chicago. Yeah. Um, a bass player, my friend Shane, came to Chicago with me, and we started a different band and whatever. But yeah. So then, you know, Matt and Joe had this idea, like, well. You know, couldn't we make a whole guitar out of aluminum, like the whole damn thing? Yeah. You know, and so they did. Not been done. Uh, you know, I don't know if it had been done. Um, there's, you know, there's other people that make aluminum guitars. Um, yeah. Really, really nice aluminum guitars. Uh, ours is, you know, it's thinner than the others. Sure. Um, it's. Uh, now is that the thing that won some? You you won an award mm. recently, or we was it something else? No, this was uh, we won a we won a gold medal in product design or something in the International Design Awards, and that was for the bass guitar. Kay. So, way back in the late '90s, you know, Joe and Matt made a guitar and a bass guitar. Okay. Two guitars, I guess. Okay. Joe had one, Matt had one, and uh, this bass guitar that our friend Dave played. And uh, the bass, you know, they sounded awesome, and they were like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But the bass guitar weighed a ton, you know. And we were, you know, I started working on this project in, like, the early 2000s. Um, I started doing 3D modeling, you know, for it, uh, because we, you know, we had to start CNCing them. They were were hand machined, the first prototypes. Like, Joe Ah. cut them out by hand. I mean, they paid for lathe work. You know, the neck was, like, lathe turned, and... uh, uh, and, and the bodies were machined by hand. I mean, you know, they were rough. Yeah. They were rough, rough instruments. But um, so people had asked about bass guitars for years. And uh, so we finally, last year, uh, or maybe starting the year before, sat down and, and figured out, okay, well, how, you know, how do we solve the problem of the weight? It just weighs too much. It's like a 20-pound guitar. Yeah. Nobody, nobody can, you know. I mean, people can play it. Dave's played it his whole career, but nobody wants it. So... We made a bunch of changes um, uh, in the in the you know the the neck the sections of the neck became elliptical instead of circular you know to okay. cut down on weight and make it feel a little bit faster in your hand and the neck was hollowed out sure um, uh, and the fretboard you know came off I'd been fighting to, to to put a removable fretboard on our guitars for years um, uh, who who are the people that are buying this by the way who are the, and who mm. are asking for these things to be made what's your audience uh, I mean I think that our audience is is right now it's it's limited I mean there's a lot of I think people that um, probably that that came out of that kind of 
mid to late 90s okay. era, you know, um, and who who really, well, no, not all of them. I don't know. It's a lot of like what I would call like post-punk or post-rock okay. um, bands uh, like these instruments. Um, so the instrument is a lot about the, the aesthetic then um, because that comes out mm. of the era, right? I think so, but, but I actually think, you know, I think that we we're bad at marketing as a company, yeah. um, and so we just sort of sell to the people that know us, and we don't spend sure. a lot of time and, and money um, trying to increase the audience. Because sure. I actually think that you know um, the guitars, you know, they sound. I'm not going to say they sound perfect, yeah. you know, but there's so much about the design of the <coughs> of the instrument, especially the new bass. Um, that is about you know uh, frequency response like sure. you know a full frequency response you know throughout the the entire instrument's register okay um, and the you know the metal neck gives it you know this this uh, increased amount of sustain yeah and the metal body you know shields the pickups so you get this really pure um, sound out of it yeah and so you know that. That would be beneficial to any number of players, oh, by yeah, any absolutely. number of styles, and, and so that's because it's made of aluminum, or yeah, I mean, a lot of it's because it's you know the rigidity of the neck um, sure. gives it you know more sustain. The uh, you know the shielding. I mean, it wouldn't have to be aluminum, it, and you could you could probably put a, an aluminum insert into a wooden body yeah, guitar, ask, you know, to rod? shield um, your pickups, but. Um, there's something about you know the mass of, of the of the metal. You don't get any dead you know dead resonance Kay. like in a wood neck guitar. If you Kay. you know sometimes you get a dead fret that yep. doesn't resonate like the yep. other ones because of the imperfections in, in the wood. Yeah. And you know some people would say, look, that's part of the beauty of a wooden guitar. You know, there's some randomness to it. It's there's, not perfect. It's not perfect. You know, yeah. you get that is your guitar. You know, and it's got its characteristics and it's different. It's unique. It's not like any right. other guitar exactly. And, and our approach is almost the opposite. We would love it if every bass that came off the line was exactly the same, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very different way to, you know, we're not luthiers, right? No. And we don't pretend to be luthiers. Like, there's a magic to, to crafting a wooden guitar, um, and we know little and maybe none, <laughs> you know, of that magic. This is you know, design and manufacturing. That's... Don't, that's don't, all it is. Don't you think that that's some of that's connected to kind of the stuff we were talking about before with the the amplifier that you had and, sure. and everything else is kind of like it needs to be right. perfect. Mm, we're not absolutely. I, you know, it needs to meet this. It needs to connect to this need that that uh, you have to. Yeah. You know. For yeah, it's about fidelity. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so. So you guys, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so you guys have um, that's interesting. Um, and anyway, sorry. So, you guys have the, these instruments, but you also have like your um, uh, the, the wallet that, that um, you make, and you have uh, you, you made kind of a I don't know what you call it, not a measurement instrument so much as a oh, the triangle, drafting the triangle, triangle. Yeah. What would you? What, yeah. what, what would that fit under as a general category? Well, that's like a drawing tool. Drawing tool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, drawing tool. So you've got all these other things, and do they? How do they all make sense in your mind that this one company makes a wallet, <laughs> a guitar, and a drawing triangle? What's well, the unifying factor? Well, you know, I don't. I think sadly, to me, it's a little sad. I guess when I think about it, uh, I mean, most of it just started off as something that somebody wanted. You know, yeah. like. You know, I, I, like I'll buy that for now. Yeah, the guitar started off. 
uh, you know, like it's just a question of like, what if, you know, okay. well, what if, what if we did this? And and you know, I'm um, sure Matt and Joe were like, I want, I want a guitar made out of you know aluminum. So let's make one. Um, you know, the wallets. I guess the wallets were interesting because you know, the wallets were done at a time when everybody was. There were a bunch of companies working on these minimal wallets. You know, sure. um, and. Uh, you know that whole industry's gotten huge and and we we don't sell many wallets anymore like we we didn't really keep up with that industry like we did something it was you know had whatever success it had and we kind of moved on to um other products but um you know we kind of wrote we kind of caught this wave you know and i guess i don't know we're all unfortunately all three of us in our company are like white dudes like sure. we're like the least fucking diverse company in the world which is probably not great when it comes to designing stuff but um you know, we're all, I think we'd all been f maybe fighting with our wallets forever. Okay. I would guess. Like, I never I never carried a wallet in my pocket. I'd always carry stuff with a rubber band around it or, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm not sure what it is about. I don't know why we all started playing with the, with a, with a new wallet design. And this is really before the three of us came together to start this company. Um, you know, I was like actually sewing up sheets of neoprene to make a wallet. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what Matt was doing. I think maybe it was Brian who, who actually, it was Brian or Matt who sort of had the seed of the idea for what the wallet turned into. Um, but you know, we were all, do, you know, we were, the three of us were like working on stuff kind of separately. And I think Matt and Brian met at a gun range, you know, in mm -hmm. Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And they were bitching about wallets. And so, you know, it turned into this collaboration and then you know it, it went from there but you know we were all kind of you know unhappy with our with our wallets i guess drawing triangles you know matt and i uh years ago god long time ago wanted metal drawing triangles a metal drawing triangle with an inking edge okay oh god and this is a little bit like the lights right so yeah. i want a light that like is up light down light the 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 triangle is like so i want to i want to be able to draw with a pen with my drafting triangle yeah. But I also want to be able to use an X-Acto knife. Sure. Right? So, right. like, why do I need to have three dozen triangles sitting around, some with thinking right. edges, you know, some without, some with gradations on the edge, some without, some that are metal so I can, you know, cut with them, um, some that aren't. So, you know, it was just, um, I don't know. We just thought, why, why, why can't you have that? So you got, like, these specific needs, again, in your... Well, not even really needs. They're just, like, you know... Itches. Yeah, it was an itch. It was an itch to scratch. We scratched it badly for like 10 years, and then yeah. we've got a bunch of triangles. <laughs> and we didn't even solve the problem, because now we each probably both have like three dozen of these triangles sure. sitting around our desk, you know, unnecessarily. So, Do you think when you make these things, are you, do you learn something along the way? Are you... Are you um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think... Um, you know, we had a bunch of, I think what we probably thought in around, you know, 2008 probably or 2010, we thought there were good ideas about, oh, here's how you would take a sheet of metal and elegantly raise it above the surface of the page, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't remember them all, you know, but uh, there was like, let's put a layer of cork on it, you know. Okay. Uh, let's press dimples into it, you know, with the press okay. and all kinds of stuff. And then it took us almost a decade to realize, motherfucker, just bend it. Right. I mean, just put it in a press break and 
put a little 10 degree bend in there and then you've got an inking edge like you know so to get to the really elegant solution where it's literally just laser cut and bent yeah. you know without any extra materials without you know having to you know press uh, you know dimples and without any of that it just took a long time so I think you know what I get out of it is uh, I don't know. You learn something about you learn something about the design what process. You learn something yeah. more about the material. You know what the metal wants to do. What's interesting to me. Well, I like that you said that. By the way, what the metal wants to do. That's interesting because you're following the, the material and what it, right. it wants to do. I, what, what's interesting to me is um, that you start with these assumptions it, when you're talking about the triangle of how. Um, how to how to arrive at the conclusion that you want to arrive to and and you know you were talking about the cork and all these other things and those turn out to be wrong and possibly informed by um, some understanding of how a system should be and then you get to the end and you realize that a measurement tool can be bent even though that's not how most people would say that system right. should be and I wonder if you looked back and you linked that to some of these other things you could say you know a guitar well, it should be made out of out of wood, but maybe we question that, and we question how that system works, and we build this this alternative solution that doesn't take the guitar apart entirely, but you you find like one little thing in the system that doesn't belong for for to get to the conclusion you want to, and you you pull it out and you replace it with aluminum in that case, or you pull the, the straight tool out and you, you bend it to, to fix your, your thing. And so you're digging down and understanding um, these assumptions that we're making right. about how these things ought to work and then questioning some of those assumptions. I don't know if that's fair. but No, I think that's definitely fair. I mean, I know that, like, my favorite question is always what if. Sure. You know, like, and I just can't stop asking what if. Yeah. And it's not always very productive, you know, but... Yeah. Um, like the the feature of the guitar that like our six string guitar, we're gonna put all these innovations we put into the ba bass guitar into the six yeah. string guitar, which is what I'm finally gonna be happy because then I'll have a guitar with a removable, <coughs> sorry, removable fretboard. Yeah. Which I've wanted for I can't tell you how long. Um, yeah. If Matt's listening to this, he'll know. Uh, yeah. Because I want to have different fret patterns. Sure. Like, you yeah. know, 12 tone equal temperament, go fuck yourself. Right. right? Like, how dull is that? Ah, you know, so what if. That, you're pulling that out, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's all kinds of other, you know, tuning systems out there in the world, you know, and they're yeah. not even, I mean, what, I don't even want to make new ones. I want to replicate old ones on a guitar, sure. you know. Um, but they give you, like, different constraints. Like, if you just have a diatonic uh, fret pattern, yeah. like on a dulcimer. Yeah, know, like on a mountain dulcimer. It's you know, what do you? What does that make you do differently on a guitar? This is you know. Is this connect? This almost seems connected to also to the idea of being different but the same. You want to teach, but you want to, but, but you can't. Like you're you're making right. a measurement tool, which is right. uh, you know how how vanilla can you get? But you're you're like introducing this element of of uh, like some alternative kind of viewpoint sure. on on it. By measurement tool, do you mean the triangle or the guitar? The the triangle, yeah. Because when you said that, I was thinking, fuck, a guitar really is just a measurement sure. instrument, isn't it? You know. <laughs> well, I could have like been clever and said I meant the guitar, yeah. but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back and yeah. edit that. So yeah, when yeah, you go said ahead. measurement tool, did you? <laughs> yes, I did actually. <laughs> uh, what did you think about that? <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, like, like Matt likes to talk about the guitars as a tool. Like yeah. that's the aesthetic, right? The guitars tool. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I I was I think it's interesting that we talk about musical instruments, right? Like uh, they're instruments, they're instrumentation. Yeah. You know, and 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 sciences like that often suggest measurement. You know. Sure. And so when you're playing. When you're playing trombone, you know, the pitch that comes out of the trombone really is just, it's the, why are you Which you're really good at. I, well, <laughs> I used to be. Um, uh, I wish you had said, when, when you're playing the trombone, parenthetical, which I'm very good at, by the way. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I, I want to, for some reason, I want to tear off my lavalier and throw it to the ground and storm out of the room. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, it's just it's it's a measurement of like the length of tubing and the you know sure. the amount of air going through it. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so the guitars, you take the fretboard off, and all of a sudden you can say, well, what if we measured something different? You know, sure. and that that you know what we're measuring is just a different a different fret pattern, a different amount of strings, a different you know a different whatever you want to whatever you want to throw in there. Yeah. So. So all this stuff that we've been talking about, um, the stuff that you make out of structures. You know the stuff that you tinker with in your in your own time. Um, you know these are the things that you do personally, but there's a huge segment of what you do that is is also doing things. I mean, and in, and in many ways, those things are doing things for other people too, right? But in 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 ways that um, uh, are not like teaching, right? Uh, and you, so that there's this whole other you know third segment of of, of this this that I wanted to talk about, which is. You know how does that how do how are, how are these things connected and to um, you you know you being at DePaul teaching in the, in mm. you know design in the College of Computing and Digital Media and whether any of that's relevant or not but it, you know what's the what is the connection there why why teach when you could you know maybe design stuff oh. and not have to or whatever else yeah I mean uh, you know I've been teaching for ever since grad school I mean I was teaching before I ever went to grad school mm -hmm. a little bit um, so you know part of me uh, you know I, I teach because I, I just enjoy teaching yeah um, why because um, I'm a power-hungry control freak no you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, I guess over the years I didn't really know why I liked teaching, you know, when I was younger. Yeah. And uh, and I'm still not entirely sure why I like teaching. Yeah. Like what what I get out of it that that is enjoyable, but um, I discovered a, a, maybe ten years ago uh, from my mom that that her grandfather, who came here from uh, her family, came from Sweden and Norway. Uh, you know, they came over, they landed in Ellis Island. Mm -hmm. You know, and. Uh, and for a while, I couldn't think, why the fuck would you leave Norway and Sweden? Mm -hmm. Like, I would love to move to Norway or Sweden, sure. right? Um, but, like, different era, different economy, you know. And sure. uh, he was a carpenter, uh, or his dad was a carpenter, and so he was going to be a carpenter, didn't want to be a carpenter, wanted to go somewhere where his kids had the opportunity to do something sure. else. Swedish potato famine. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that, it's like, and you think, man, they have such a high standard of living now, I, you know, it's just difficult right. to imagine what it was like. Sure. Um, so come over, don't speak English, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, uh, my mom's telling me this because my brother at the time, I think, was graduating uh, from Harvard with a Kay. PhD. And, uh, PhD in what? 
Uh, PhD in architect. Sorry, MIT graduate. MIT. He went to Harvard for his master's in architecture and urban design. Kay. MIT for a PhD in architectural history. Okay. And I went to University of Chicago for uh, an MFA. And uh, so my mom's telling me that you know we're like the first people you know in. I mean, my cousins have advanced degrees and whatnot, but we're the first people in our side of the family, you know, to go to college. Yeah. You know, and so you think, wow, this this dude. But you just think how much life, how much having an education can change your life. Yeah. You know? And so there's something, uh, I didn't really think about this much until maybe the past five or ten years as a teacher. Um, but giving, you know, giving somebody an education and, you know, have... Just having them have that tool, you know, that that allows them to become whoever they want to be, you know. And uh, my, you know, my dad doesn't have a college degree, and mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know how he thinks, you know, about yeah. that. If he thinks he suffered because of it, he's an incredibly bright man. You know, yeah. I think probably one of the best designers I know. Yeah. You know, tinker, maker, you know, whatever yeah. you want to whatever you want to call, call it. it. I mean, you know, just incredibly, you know, gifted person. Um, but I think probably, you know, he could have made a lot more money. Sure. You know, he could have done, maybe would have had more options, you know. And so I think, I look at, you know, here I am sitting, at, you know, looking out over Jackson Avenue in Chicago. Yeah. In an office building, like, yeah. how the hell did I get here from, yeah. you know, the Swedish potato famine? Yeah, know, right. <laughs> but part of that was just having an education. You know, yeah. Being taught something. And uh, I teach design because that's what I do. But, you know, I went to school for painting and I'm not a painter. Yeah. Like I think that going to college is, um, you don't do it just to learn a trade and then apply that trade. Like you're, you know, you, you go to college because you want to educate yourself, and that education allows you, you know, some leverage out yeah. there in the world to to become whoever you want to become. So, um, but so I also yeah. selfishly, when I was an adjunct teaching and running my own uh, office, uh, I was teaching in part because I wanted to have good, talented motherfuckers uh, graduating and working pipeline. in the field. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a pipeline thing. It's like you just see, you know, I I don't know. I care about design. I think design makes people's lives better, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. In some ways, it makes it worse in a lot of ways, too. But I feel like, you know, having good designers who think about what yeah. they're doing and care, you know, that makes... So both of those things that you said, having good designers and also, you know, gi uh, giving somebody that kind of opportunity, in my mind, at least, is more talking about the end product of mm. of education, oh, the, right. the the resultant sure. thing that happens after afterward. You you go out into the professional world, and and you're a better designer, or um, you have an education, and therefore you you can do whatever right. other things. But there has to be. I have to believe that there's something about the the process that in, that fascinates you as well, because just uh, if if you're purely outcome oriented. Um, you're going to be miserable until like graduation day every oh, year, sure. right? You need to find some. You have to find some joy in, in the process. I as think well. that the first thing, like the idea that you know, an education gives you a leg up. Yeah. I don't think that. I think that that's happening all through your education. You know, like I don't think that's something that happens at the end. You know, when you get the degree and the piece of paper is your leg up. The piece of paper is great, and some people care about care about the piece of paper. But to me, the thing that really gives you a leg up is, you know, is is everything that happened mm. while you're in college. That's you know, interesting. And, 
Can, if I can interject really yeah, quick, sure. I just heard some. I was I was listening to something from Harvard Business Review, and they did a study um, that looked at people who took classes all the way up until the final semester of their degree and left, mm -hmm. and they compared their median income to people who took who got who went through that final semester and got a right. piece of paper, and it was it was crazy how much more that piece of paper enabled those people oh, sure. um, to get, I mean, and part of it you were talking about that outcome being uh, uh, money, you know, did right. you, would your dad think that he could make more if he had, and you know, the sure. stuff that, you know, some of that's, so it's interesting because I agree with you, but also it's very interesting how much power the, that piece of paper has, has been yeah. given because that semester, you, you know, you're not going to change, you know, you're not going to do a, a 180 and become a completely different person no. in the final semester of your education. Yeah, arguably the last semester is like the least important one, right? Yeah, I mean, right. You know, everybody's got senior eyes. Coasting, yeah. Yeah, you're just trying to get your thesis done right. as best you can, but, right. you know, whatever. But I didn't mean to interrupt your groove because I, I do agree right. with the, the, the idea that it is the process that's that's the important yeah. thing. Well, you know, I it would be interesting to look at, like, people who went to only a single year of college yeah. and left, and then look at people who went to three years and left, look at people who graduated. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what those numbers would be like. I know that, like, my mom, I think she had a two-year degree in accounting. Sure. You know, and uh, that, I don't know, like, that opened up some doors for her, you know, and uh, I mean, I think about old students that I had, you know, in the past, and one, this guy, one of the brightest students I ever had, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, a fellow named Nick, Nick Kaiser, and uh, he passed away uh, a few years back. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, God, he passed away almost like this week or something. This is crazy. Oh, wow. This is really weird. Yeah. Huh. Um, I think, uh, or maybe it's his birthday or something. Anyway, I have his. So I have these dates. October eighteenth, twenty. Um, oh no, I think maybe it's his birthday. Uh, fuck, I don't remember. Okay. Um, anyway, really, you just a really, really, really amazing. I mean, just an amazing guy. Yeah. And uh, he was a really talented designer, smart. I mean, just incredibly smart, you know. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, he was just a special, he was just a special character. Yeah. Anyway, he dropped out. You know, yeah. he just got to a point where he was like, I don't want to be a designer. Sure. Not for me. You right. Know? And uh, he was a bike mechanic. Uh, when he passed away, he passed away from bowel cancer. Mm. And, uh, you know, he didn't make much money, but he was, uh, I don't, you know, What's he the was just in charge of his life. Yeah. I mean, he had found a way to get to this point where he was like, this is what I really want to do. Yeah. This is what I'm happy doing. Riding a bike, um, which he, you know, he hadn't done when he was younger. He just yeah. started doing that. And, you know, and he learned how to fix them. I actually taught him. I actually helped him build his first bike that he yeah. rode. And, uh, so you're saying like it's just it's just yeah. It's part of the 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 the, the um, it, yeah. He didn't get a degree, but is there there's something to the pro? You're, you're speaking to process right now, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to to figure out what what it is about that that you enjoy and that there, there seems to be more satisfaction in it than that and that end product that we were talking oh, about originally yeah. and that's i think very much so yeah but but what's the i think i think that i think that nick and people like nick you know they get to a point where they've they've had enough like the process has got them where they want to be yeah you know and then it's on to a new process but yeah if you've you know um 
I feel like I feel like college gives gives you it, it's it's a luxury, you know, oh to yeah. go to college. Um, you know, and having being able to figure out who you are, you know, in a room full of people who have a you know not the same background certainly, but are in a somewhat similar experience. Okay. You know, um, you know, I think that that's a I think that that's an incredibly valuable. Yeah. opportunity you know to give people um just to learn something it's more important to learn to me who you are and how you operate with people you know maybe than to actually learn yeah the material like that's a horrible thing to say as a college professor but no so that, um, that's actually really interesting and this is the thing that i was almost saying when we were talking right before this and then i pulled back and i said i didn't want to say it because i didn't want to to you know seed this and that one of the things is that i've found as, as patterns in talking to people about this is number one all of them bring up curiosity and like how does this work in some way shape or form right right and the other thing they talk about is the value of um, having some kind of a, a community or, or contributing to that community or being part of something and one person in particular that i interviewed said something to affect or got we, we arrived at the conclusion that um what she was doing was figuring out uh, in, in the things that she works with, you know, things that she makes, how things work. Mm -hmm. And then when she works with people, she's figuring out how people work. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. there's a, a, a curiosity of how not just objects work and systems work, sure. but, but that, can, that knowledge is then applied to political systems, mm -hmm. to systems of people. And oftentimes when you're engaging with people and doing things and making things, you gain better insight into that individual because of something, and I don't know what that right. thing is, but because there's a, a, a tangible aspect to it and you can watch how people overcome adversity sure. or, or whatever else. And, and in the process, you find out more about yourself maybe or, or how, you, how you work too. I, I don't know what that is, but I didn't want to say that beforehand because I didn't want to, 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 <laughs> to yeah. drive us there before you know, um, we kicked off. So I wonder if there's something about, is there something about this where you're learning, when you're teaching, you're learning more about not just other people, but about like how you think about design or how you think about other people or how you interact with things. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that, you, that I do, you know, I do learn more about what I value in design, you know, when you're teaching. Um, I don't know though. I, I feel like, I feel like as a teacher, I'm trying to I'm trying to divorce myself in class from what I think about design. Sure. You know, like that's well, perfect. Yeah. There's I don't want my students to design things that look like what I would make. Right. You know, like um, I mean, I think that I've actually gotten to a point in my life where I actually like what I design. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, I don't think it's great or anything. You know, but but I kind of like the decisions that I make. You yeah. know, and um, it took me a lot of time to get there. Yeah. But. Uh, but I don't. I think it's one way. You know, it's yeah. one way among many ways. And and there's not there's not some great pinnacle. You know, on top of a mountain. Yeah. With some old white wizened modernist at the top right. of it. You know, where you've you've reached. You know. Yeah. The best design process in the world. Um, so, I do. I mean, I do learn something about how I how the decisions that I make 
you know, yeah. um, but I'm teaching. And I feel like that's mostly what design is. Like, you're just making decisions. Yeah. So you've, you've built a process for making decisions, and, and then you exercise it, and that's what design is. And that's sort of what teaching is. And so I, th I think there is, you know, there is a lot to be learned from it. But um, I also, I've been talking about this a lot lately, or thinking about it a lot, because I talked about this with my friend Nick not yeah. long ago. And it's the importance of passion. Yeah. And I don't think that passion's very important. Interesting. I know. Really? Yeah. I and I and I. I would I would heartily disagree, but I want to hear why. I know, and so does Nick. <laughs> Nick. I mean, Nick and I got into this, uh, you know, huge argument in my yeah. kitchen. Um Because <laughs> you're not passionate about. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, he's <laughs> Nick's a teacher too. He lives yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and and he's a uh, he's a painter. Um, Nick Kersoulis, uh, yeah. If anybody's listening, you should check him out because he's amazing. Uh, anyway, he. Uh, you know, he's talking about the importance of passion. And he's talking about it, I think, we're in the context of students and how mm -hmm. students without passion, you know, they're never going to be successful. And I, and I feel like students probably do need some passion, you know. So in the context of, like, students succeeding in art and design school, probably a, a, a dose of passion is um, advisable, if yeah. not absolutely required. But then, you know, I'm thinking about professionals, and mm. um, and I feel like, passion is almost like a crutch. Dispassionate is... Dispassion is right. what we really, you know, and, and maybe <laughs> maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not that we need dispassion at the expense of passion, but somewhere in the middle, you know, you need to be able to think An objectively, yes. thoughtfully about what you're yeah. doing, you know, and not sure. be blinded by this sort of passion, you know, for something you love. Um, Can I, I think I, I have yeah. a connection here and then... We're we're almost up at an hour, so oh, this is, are we yeah, really? it's pretty quick. Huh. Um, I, I I always think that people contain multitudes, and you can be both passionate and dispassionate. And I think having passion sure. is really good when you're you're um, you're early on you're, you're early on in making something, let's say, and you need you need to be enthusiastic because otherwise you have nothing else to lean on because you're living in this really uncertain place. Right, it's, it can be really frustrating, right? And the creative process requires, you know, requires you to, to, to reach out into tons of different things that you know nothing about, mm -hmm. and to be and, and to be passionate, kind of steals you against all of the uncertainty, and and then at some point you have to flip a switch, otherwise you're never going to do accomplish anything, right. and you have to say I'm I'm not gonna, I'm going to stop this process of ex exploring, and I'm just going to make decisions and execute on this thing, right. and have a thing. Right. Right. And and it, so I, I don't know. I, I think I think it's quite possible that, you know, in, in my mind, it, it might be necessary to be able to do both. And I think the trick, the, the trickiest part is flipping is the in between part. It's the flipping sure. the switch. It's the uh, I have to actually do something or conversely, it's I'm always going to do something and I'm never going to think and, and explore critically about. Right. Things. Right. For me, I, I feel like it's a it's an important realization about myself because I feel mm. like I'm always like this cantankerous ass, <laughs> you know, like this old fucking man who yeah. hates everything. Yeah. And uh, and then I think you know I don't really hate everything. Yeah. Um, like I, you know, there's a lot. There, there's a lot I would look around the world and be like, yeah, oh, that's really quite nice. Um, but I think I'm just just passionate about many things. Yeah. But you know, the nice thing about that is like. Dispassion is also related to passion. So right. by being dispassionate, you're probably passionate about something else. Yeah. Cool. Anywho.
No, you're passionate about the you know the, the measurement tool and the which is the guitar. Uh, right. We're you know yeah. you find things that really bug you. Yeah. And then you're passionate about those things, and then you can spend time on those things and not on others. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> well, so the the way I usually end this up is um, by asking people uh, if there's a place on the internet or anywhere else mm. or things that you want to point people in the direction of, um, you know, what, where, where do people go to find you or oh, the things you me. make or other things that you think are cool? Uh, man. Well, I mean, there's obstructures.org. Okay. Uh, uh, what else? Christ. I mean, there's so, there's so much stuff. Um, <laughs> stuff, 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 stuff. All uh, your Kickstarters are already done, right? Yeah, well, we're going to launch another Kickstarter pretty soon. Uh, okay. For these uh, clipboards, band boards. Okay. Um, we, it, people, have been, people have been asking us for another run of these for a long time, and we've been remiss, and it's been, you know, whatever. We redesigned them. They're better. Uh, they were in a couple movies. Uh, yeah, you told me about yeah. that. Right, yeah. Fantastic Four. Yeah. Kate Mara used one of our band boards. It was ah, amazing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the God Particle or something. We're going to have to put this in um, the title of this podcast. Something about Marvel Universe or Fantastic Four or something. There we go, yeah. It's going to get the clicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. So I'm cynical. so thirsty yeah. for the clicks. <laughs> so cynical. Um, other yeah. stuff that I do, I mean, something we, we didn't really talk about at all was, you know, I do this date of his work for uh, yeah. a group at University of Chicago. And, uh, yeah. Like, I don't even know where to link to some of that stuff. But it, it's funny. I've been thinking about it in the back of my mind as we've been talking. And I know I'm, like, gearing the ship back up. And you're like, yeah. man, shut up because it's got to end. Huh. But it's, it's this idea of measurement. Like, <laughs> everything's about measurement. Sure. You know? And, uh, <laughs> huh, it's sure. Just, it's like an interesting thread, you know, through yeah. a lot of the work that I do yeah. um, about, about measurement. Even teaching, it's like measuring somebody's growth, you know, sure. year to year to year from foundation <laughs> to yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. outcomes, um, goals. Yeah, right? Uh, like, <laughs> it, it makes all the, Terry Steinbach, it makes all that assessment stuff much more appealing. Oh, you know, you when go. I think about it, like measuring. Right. Like we're just measuring the progress of a student. Yeah. Like measuring, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Why is it that measurement is so much more appealing than assessment? It's too many S's. That's why. Assessment S sounds loosey-goosey. Yeah. Measurement sounds scientific. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Measurement. Mm. Anyway, um, I don't know where else to go to find to find things. Uh, if you want to hear my shitty old punk rock band. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Uh, I think we're probably on Bandcamp. Bandcamp? Yeah, there was an album called Brute Unison. Brute Unison. Which was four different bands, and... Uh, the second band is mine. Can I? Can I? When I go to edit this, can I close it out with, with, uh, with one of your songs? Yeah, it would. Awesome. It would, it would have to be either Finer Alpine Moments. Okay. Or South. Okay. Those would be the two I would prefer. But really, so just here's anything, what I want you to say. Anything. I want you to say to close it out. Here's, and then your band name with, and then whatever song, and then I'll play it. So you want me to say that verbatim? Yeah. 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 So, to close it out, <laughs> here's Baton Brute with finer alpine moments. Alright. Perfect. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers. Alright.
And that concludes session 11 with Nate Madsen of DePaul University School of Design and the industrial design um, uh, company Upstructures. Uh, Nate's done a lot of awesome stuff. And I, uh, I want to wrap this up quick so you can listen to the rest of his, his, uh, uh, his music too. So thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for session 12 where we speak with uh, Drew Fustini. Um, about more custom console and badge creating things. And on that note, too, if you are in or near Chicago on November 16th, I am going to be hosting a first meetup for people who like tinkering with computers and particularly with alternative uh, game consoles and computer platforms at DePaul University. Um, if you're interested in something like that, uh, check out shouldworkmedia.com. I'll post a link to the event there. We're all going to be getting together at the Idea Realization Lab on November 16th, 7 p.m., talking about game consoles and custom platforms. Check it out. Thanks again to Nate Madsen for joining us today. Uh, I look forward to talking with Drew next week. And uh, if you're enjoying this, as usual, subscribe, like, and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.